Climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. On today's show, we're going to talk about sustainable development goal number five, gender equality. And I do like to take a little liberty with the goals, and I like to state it as gender equity. Um, so if I can, I'd like to do that, but maybe I'll um, defer to the experts on our show today. Um, gender equality, it's not only a fundamental human right, but it's absolutely necessary if we want to create a more just, sustainable, and peaceful world. And yes, this is still an issue here in the U.S. Only 38 states have ratified the Equal Rights Amendment. So my guests today are from an organization that's tackling this issue right here. Generation Ratify is a youth-led movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and advance gender equality in the United States of America. And their mission is to really build a coalition of young people across the country, leading on intersectional feminist revolution that empowers and advocates for the full equality of young women, non-conforming, non-binary, femme, and queer folk. So joining me today from Generation Ratify is the co-executive director, Rosie Couture, and the national director of policy, Lauren Pearl. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about this conversation. So Rosie and Lauren, before we talk about the work of Generation Ratify, I would love to learn more about each of you. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, I can go ahead and kick us off. And thank you, Amy, so much for that introduction. We're super excited to be here and grateful for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Rosie. My pronouns are she, they. I am a rising high school senior um, in Arlington, Virginia. When I am not doing Generation Ratify, which is like the majority of my time, um, you can see me, this is kind of embarrassing, but I am a band kid and also a theater kid. Um, so I play in my school's marching band and sometimes I do my school's shows and chances are if I'm not doing Generation Ratify, I'm doing those things or just binge watching a lot of TV. Um, but super excited for this conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. How about you, Lauren? Yeah, thank you so much for having us. So my name is Lauren Pearl. I also use she, her pronouns, and I'm from Olney, Maryland, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. I'm a rising college freshman at Harvard, and like Rosie, I also spend a lot of my free time uh, on Generation Gratify. But when I'm not in a Generation Gratify meeting, which is indeed my favorite thing, um, I am working for InnovateX. InnovateX is a 501c3 nonprofit that aspires to increase accessibility to personal finance education to students of all socioeconomic backgrounds through Board of Education advocacy and by creating personal finance classes and workshops. I'm the co-creator and chief operating officer of InnovateX and it's a mission that's really near and dear to my heart. As you'll catch on later in this interview, I am 
110% passionate about educational advocacy. And again, at my core, I'm an aggressive intersectional feminist. And so my sort of nerd project um, this winter was I was working on this book called Ordinary Equality with Kate Kelly. Kate Kelly is the contemporary mother of the Equal Rights Amendment movement. And she's writing this book called Ordinary Equality about America's forgotten feminist leaders and how they shaped the Constitution. And so I was her research assistant and I was responsible for researching Mary Church Terrell and Polly Murray for two two chapters of the book. So I was reading like their personal diaries, finding photos of their dogs. I was really, really getting into the nitty gritty, but that's all more nerdy and like academic just for fun. Like Rosie, I'm a huge, huge, huge musical theater fan. I have a photo of Stephen Sondheim that I'm going to put on my dorm room. (laughs) And I love hiking. I love backpacking. I love rock climbing, kayaking, you name it. That's amazing. Um, We have to talk off the air. I want to learn more about your nerdy book project. It sounds absolutely amazing. (laughs) Um, It was such a pleasure to work on it. I can, I can't even imagine like the things that you were able to like, just learn about these amazing women. So, um, wow. (laughs) Um, I do want to come back to Rosie. Um, and just, can you give us an overview, like the big picture of generation ratify? Um, how did it start, um, more about the mission and vision of the work that you're doing? Absolutely. I would love to. So like you said, Generation Ratify is the youth-led movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment and advance gender equality in the United States. Our mission is to build a coalition of young people from across the country leading an intersectional feminist revolution that empowers and advocates for the full equality of young women, gender nonconforming, non-binary, femme, and queer folks. Um, And that's pretty much a mouthful. Um, But we're all for equality of all people and specifically focusing on feminism and equality of all marginalized genders. Um, And we do this through a lot of different things. Um, uh, One of our primary focuses is just education. A lot of young people don't even know about the Equal Rights Amendment. um, And a lot of people don't really understand what it means to fight for intersectional feminism. Um, And so we host a lot of workshops Um, and uh, different educational events. And we canvas in our communities to talk about these issues of gender equality, specifically the Equal Rights Amendment, but also really about any feminist issue. Um, And then we, you know, take, after we educate and engage our communities and young people, we are working with them to lobby our legislators, to host direct actions on the ground, to push for feminist policies, Um, We even get involved in elections to elect pro-ERA progressive candidates um, and just in general focus on creating this community of empowerment um, for all people of marginalized genders. Um, So that's, I'll leave it at that as our quick overview and kind of coming down to where it all started. um, I was looking through the Virginia legislative information system as any 14 year old does. Um, (laughs) They should. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, And this was back in like um, November of 2018. Um, And I was looking through proposed legislation um, and I came across this resolution that read um, like an amendment for equal rights or like something along the lines of that. I was like, okay, I'm super into equal rights. Um, Then I started looking into it, 
And then I realized that it was a resolution to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, and then it was just kind of like, um, I don't know, it was like a spiral from there, but a really great spiral. Um, I started to learn about the Equal Rights Amendment and how we had 37 states that have ratified it out of the 38 needed. Um, you know, just went on this like journey of being like, wow, I didn't know about the Equal Rights Amendment. No one else is talking about it. I thought we already had gender equality in our constitution. Um, and so my mind was blown and I immediately wanted to start taking action. Um, the first thing I actually did was email Jennifer Carol Foy, who was the delegate who was spearheading the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, and she responded. I thought it was a pretty, you know, bold move of me to do, but I emailed her and she responded and I got connected into um, the ERA movement in Virginia. Turns out there were a lot of people working on the ERA. Um, however, no one really under the age of 30 or really even 40. There were no young people involved in the movement. Um, and I, that was a really big problem that I really cared about. Um, and as I was getting more involved um, you know, in the fight to ratify the ERA, not only was I recognizing just the lack of young people in the movement, but also how it was harming the movement. You know, I would be really frustrated. I would be sitting in a room and all people were talking about was how the Equal Rights Amendment was for cisgendered women or how they wouldn't be talking about the intersection of like the climate crisis and the Green New Deal and, you know, what that, the implications that has on feminism and gender equality. Um, young people really bring this, you know, um, bring this intersectional and inclusive focus to the issues that we advocate for. And that was really missing from the Equal Rights Amendment movement. Um, and not only do we bring this focus on inclusion and intersectionality, we also bring this energy. Um, you know, you see other movements like Sunrise Movement, March for Our Lives, these other great youth movements that are mobilizing on the ground and are really causing a scene and it's working, you know, it's really advancing our priorities. And so uh, we were kind of at this moment where we're like, we're not engaging young people and we're seeing how that's affecting our fight for the Equal Rights Amendment. That's not making us as inclusive um, as we can be or as intersectional as we can be. And our movement is losing energy. So we started a movement to really engage young people. And, you know, we've been going from there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not something that we talk about, right? Like we're not, it's not in the news. It's not, it's not this thing that, um, that normally we talk about because I think what were the statistics, like 80% of people in the U S think that we already have equal rights, something along those lines. Yeah. 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 So to, to learn that we still don't is just, kind of mind blowing. And so, yes, we need more young people. And I just, yes, I'm like, yes, we need more people involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Lauren, how did you um, end up becoming the national policy director for Generation Ratify? Yeah. So I want to preface this by saying that I come from a long line of Jewish activists. My grandfather saved 42,000 Jews during the Holocaust. And my dad was really, really involved in the fight for Soviet Jewry um, in the 70s. And so this being said, these values of Zalem Elohim and Zedaka are kind of ingrained into my thought processes and just how I view the world. So in middle school, I was in a magnet program for the for the humanities and communication arts. And it was a very, very small percentage of the school. And 
we were very outspokenly liberal. I would say about like 50% of the kids were queer. And so I was the only girl that signed up to be in an engineering class that was outside of my program. And so as the only girl and only student in the humanities program who, because I was in the humanities program and had a pixie cut, they assumed that was queer. I was just relentlessly bullied. They cut my hair. They (laughs) masturbated on me. They punched me, like whole thing. And so I wanted to find an outlet to educate about why that was wrong beyond me just yelling at them. I wanted to find a productive outlet to say, no, here's why that's homophobic and here's why that's harmful and the incorrect thing to do. And so I started getting involved in activism at 13. I joined Amnesty International and that was just kind of my spiral into activism from there. I joined Montgomery County Students for Change, at which point my friend Ashlyn, who was involved in Generation Ratify at the time and still is our fantastic director, communication, uh, sorry, community engagement director recruited me for Generation Gratify to work on policy. And the ERA is really, really important to me because the ERA will help promote educational equity by strengthening Title IX. So that's kind of my Generation Gratify story. That's a powerful one, (laughs) a very powerful one. Um, And um, you obviously are a very um, confident woman. Um, to be able to tell that story the way that you do, because um, I felt angry <laughs> as you were telling that. So thank you for for being willing to share that. I think that um, that we don't think about those things happening um, to um, girls and a non-conforming, non you know, just um, non-binary um, people in our school systems today. Um, So again, thank you for sharing that personal story. Um, We do have to take a brief pause. I think this is a good place to take a short break. And then when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Rosie and Lauren. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. We'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. 
What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Rosie Couture and Lauren Pearl from Generation Ratify. So again, they're the youth-led movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, or ERA. Um, Again, I just want to thank you both for being here. Um, Rosie, I'd want to come back to you um, and talk about how you're engaging young people in this work um, and kind of how has it evolved since um, you first started? Absolutely. Um, I think really what youth organizing is all about is meeting young people where they are. Um, When Generation Ratify first started, I don't think we were as good about the, this concept of, you know, really making our advocacy accessible and just allowing so many avenues to get involved. When we were first going at it, it very much was like a super local thing. And we really focused on electing pro ERA candidates to the Virginia um, state legislature, our general assembly. Um, because at the time when we first started, we really were focusing on getting Virginia to become the 38th and final state needed to ratify the ERA. Um, and for reference, for anybody listening, when you get a, to get an amendment into the Constitution, you have to have 38 states ratify it. Um, so we were, you know, we were knocking on doors, we were phone banking, we were doing voter registration drives. Um, we, I would like on the weekends, I would be figuring out how can we get free vans and buses to like bring me and my friends over to a swing district, like an hour away. That was really the bulk of our work. Um, And that was great. And that was what we knew kind of how to do when we were getting started. Um, But, you know, since that election, uh, election work and like get out the vote has become such a small portion of like all the things that we do. Um, So like I said, we really try and just engage people in any way that they're willing to get involved. Um, and make things as accessible as possible. So that does look like voter registration work and, you know, encouraging young people to canvas and like phone bank in their communities for candidates that truly want to represent them and their, in the best interest for their bodies, their futures and their lives. But that also looks like, you know, working with young people to train them on how to lobby. The uh, incredible Lauren on this call has actually trained over 300 young people to lobby, which is crazy. Um, and we know that looks like hosting lobbying one-on-one workshops and then individually working with those young people to then schedule meetings with their legislators, mm-hmm. go meet with them and then continue to follow up with them and pressure them, maybe even organize a direct action like outside of their office to continue to hold them accountable to advocate for us and our needs. 
Um, and yeah, another thing, direct action. We're really big on, you know, hosting protests and protests in communities. Um, so we work with a lot of young people to coach them through that as well. Um, and then in addition to those, we also, we are a chapter based organization. So really all of our work and our power comes from our organizers that are working in their communities on the ground. And they have a lot of liberty and kind of agency over what they decide to do. Um, like for example, right now we have a chapter in Arizona and they're working with um, an organization called, I believe it's called Power to the Period Arizona um, to do a mutual aid drive to distribute menstrual products um, to unhoused people in unhoused communities. Um, and so people will be doing different mutual aid projects. Sometimes we will have chapters that'll create what we call advocacy forms that they can then send to a bunch of um, young people. And all you have to do is put in your name and your address and it will automatically send an email to your representatives um, inbox. And we've actually sent over 35,000 of those kinds of messages. Um, and those are like two second actions. Um, I'm kind of just rambling at this point, but really, you know, we went from providing like one kind of route for our advocacy and that was getting involved in elections to meeting young people where they are at and really putting pressure on all sides so that we can make our movement as accessible as possible. I love that um, there's this local, like kind of grassroots responding to the issues that are right there in the community, like um, the power to the period, right? Like, so we don't always think about um, what equality looks like, in different populations. So when you think about the need for feminine hygiene products for our homeless population or at-risk populations, um, you know, it's, it's part of it. It's all part of this larger conversation. And Lauren, I think you have something that to add on to this as well. Yes. I just wanted to really quickly add that something that I think Generation Ratify really, really um, succeeds at is making activism fun. We are not just having, you know, get on the phone, get on a Zoom call and phone bank. We're having get on a Zoom call and watch Legally Blonde while you phone bank. (laughs) Or we're having a drag show for trans lives where we have these amazing drag performances. And in between each drag performance, you're supposed to be emailing your legislators. We make that really, really accessible. So this is a way that makes organizing not only like empowering for youth, but actively enjoyable. It doesn't feel like we're giving them homework. It doesn't feel like we are being overly like power hungry in a way it feels like we are truly enabling youth to be kids while just happening to be world changers (laughs) (laughs) that's a wonderful way to look at it and so so lauren um tell us what um you've been working on um since you started with generation ratify my goodness this is my favorite question so uh my my personal 
favorite is I want to preface this by saying I'm a judicial nerd. On my 16th birthday, I literally went down to the Library of Congress to read Phillips v. Martin Marietta to read the amicus briefs, like I, because that's the earliest day that you can get a reader card for the Library of Congress. Like I'd been waiting for that day. So I, I'm a judicial geek, but um, we need a lot of judicial geeks. <laughs> so yeah. thanks for being one. <laughs> yeah. So my personal favorite project is last year we had the absolutely surreal opportunity to file an amicus brief for the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, the Commonwealth of Virginia et al. versus David S. Ferriero, which is essentially saying it was a lawsuit against the National Archivist because the National Archivist refused to um, record that three states had ratified the Equal Rights Amendment since 2015 because that would enable the ERA to be enshrined in the Constitution. He was saying that he wasn't doing it because of the deadline, but we were saying he was doing it because of misogyny and party politics. So we wrote this beautiful, beautiful amicus brief with the support of the incomparable Lauren Moxley, Beth Brinkman, Megan Keenan, and Kate Kelly. Um, we had their support to walk us through the judicial system to help us author this amicus brief and highlight how the Equal Rights Amendment has always been a youth-led movement and will always be a youth-led movement and how it supports diverse youth today. Um, and what was cool about that is that we had the chance to make it really contemporary. This was at the start of COVID. So we were talking about how COVID makes the ERA more necessary than ever mm-hmm. because of all the economic discrepancies that have been particularly felt by women. So that was my favorite. But another favorite of mine is we founded the Equal Rights Cohort, where we had 61 activists and it was modeled after Congressman Jamie Raskin's Democracy Summer Program, where we taught them how to phone bank, lobby and text bank. And these cohort members contacted over 160,000 Texan voters in the Senate primary race in their very, very first week. Like, so that was really empowering because most of them had never phone banked or text bank, but we got them and we got them hooked. And then by the end of the program, they had contacted 1.07 million voters. So that was just super duper empowering. And like I said, it was full circle to me because I was modeling it after Congressman Jamie Raskin's Democracy Summer Program. And that's what truly gave me my start in politics. Um, I did it freshman year just because I was a kid that wanted to do that summer. And I knew I was liberal and I liked Jamie. So I'm like, why not? And it just got me hooked. That so. But I would also like to say that we are truly a reactionary organization with regard to as policy, we're working on whatever is the hot topic of the time. So in the June of last year, in the heat of Black Lives Matter, we were leading phone banks every day for HR 7085, the Ending Qualified Immunity Act. Or this October, when Amy Coney Barrett was being squared into SCOTUS, we were leading mass phone banks and artistic demonstrations nationwide against her confirmation. And one last project that we worked on that we were going full speed ahead on from November after the election until January was our feminist framework. Me and my two other policy directors co-authored a 138-page gender equality policy pack for the 117th Congress, where we had 10 different topics ranging from reproductive health care, I mean, sorry, from health care to educational equity. And mm-hmm. We just talked about these topics through a gender equality lens. So, you know, our preventing violence against minorities section was talking about gun violence prevention and police brutality and um, domestic violence. Like it, it was really 
focusing on the gaps that exist in legislation, not because they're not important, but because white men write these policies. So it was working to fill these gaps and highlight these intersectional issues. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And this is such important work and it's a place that we need um, the voice of young people. So just impressive. Um, Rosie, we have a couple of minutes and I want to, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about um, one of your um, campaigns, Rally for Roll. Can you talk more about what that is and how young people can get involved? I would love to talk about Rally for Row. Um, yeah, Rally for Row is our campaign to educate and engage young people in our intersectional fight for to just defend our reproductive freedoms and expand them. Um, you know, we are in a time of unprecedented attacks on our reproductive freedoms. We have unconstitutional and anti-abortion legislation that is being passed out of state legislatures. Um, and we have a Congress, thanks to the filibuster and just who even knows, maybe if the filibuster wasn't there too, this would be happening, but our Congress isn't able to fight for our access to reproductive services. Um, and this is really stripping BIPOC, working class, queer and young people of their rights to healthcare and bodily autonomy. Um, and we are in an especially scary moment because the Supreme Court just decided, decided to take a case challenging the precedent set by Roe v. Wade, um, which people that d don't know um, Roe v. Wade protects abortion in the first two trimesters or 24 weeks of pregnancy. Um, and so the case that the Supreme Court is hearing is Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. Um, and I know I only have like a minute before we go on a break, <laughs> so I'll kind of keep it moving along. Um, but, you know, we have a 60 conservative majority in the Supreme Court mm -hmm. and all of Trump's nominees vowed that they would overturn Roe v. Wade um, and chip on our you know, access to abortion. So we're launching, or we did launch a campaign to defend and expand our reproductive freedoms. And this includes bringing public attention to this case, organizing yeah. direct actions um, and advocating for legislation on the state level and federally to protect abortion um, and just educate young people through workshops on the intersections of reproductive justice and access to abortion. And people can head over to our website, generationratified.org slash rally for row um, to get involved with any of the initiatives that I just said. Um, yeah, I know we're about to go on break. <laughs> oh, we'll come back and we'll talk more about um, ways that young people can get involved um, because I think we, do, we don't always make all those connections, right? Like when we're talking about gender equality, we're talking about a lot more than the ERA, which is extremely important, um, but there's more to it. And so um, we'll take a short break. And then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation about equal rights. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice America Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Again, if you're just joining us today, we're discussing equal rights um, with Rosie and Lauren from Generation Ratify. Um, So, Rosie, I want to jump to the pandemic and the effect that it's had on the work of Generation Ratify. Um, Can you tell us kind of how the pandemic's impacted what's going on um, with your how you're engaging young people? Absolutely. So, the pandemic hit us right as our organization was really starting to expand. Um, so pre-COVID, we had about, I want to say like five chapters um, and about 600 members. And, you know, right now, after like a year and a half-ish of COVID, we are at 10,000 members and over 50 chapters. Um, I think that the COVID pandemic really changed the game of what advocacy can look like and who you can reach. Um, I think that it allowed for us to grow so fast. Um, I like, I know for myself personally, you know, we got out of school and then I was just home all day for like a few months and we weren't having to do school. We weren't having to do assignments. And that was true for young people across the country. We were all just at home Um, and you know, we didn't really have anything to do. School wasn't mandatory. Um, you know, we were doing TikTok. Um, and I think in addition to everyone just kind of like, you know, being at home and having time on their hands, um, COVID-19 was really bringing to light, um, structural failures and policy failures in our country that were harming marginalized people. Um, and I think people were ready to start taking action. Um, so we, you know, used Generation Ratify capitalized on this moment of young people being at home and being ready to take action. Um, 
and the moment that we were in of the COVID-19 pandemic, highlighting the inequities in our country to really take young people's time and, you know, put it to our advocacy efforts. Um, and I don't think our growth um, would be possible without the pandemic and without that opportunity for young people to be at home with so much time. Um, and I will pass it on to Lauren, who can probably talk more about how it actually changed, like, the ways that we lobby and advocate, because the game really has greatly been changed. Lauren, yeah, so has the game I, been changed? The game has 2,089% been changed. Wow. So when we're talking about lobbying, it used to only be accessible to students that, um, well, Traditionally, it was accessible to students who lived in the D.C. area or lived near a district office of um, one of their Congress members or senators, had transportation there, could go in person, had nicer clothes so that they could look professional um, and, you know, could set up, a, have, have the skills to set up a lengthy meeting. Now, in the face of COVID, anybody can meet with their representatives or senators from anywhere. I have been on lobbying meetings in lengthy car rides. I've been <laughs> on lobbying meetings on an airplane, you name it. And so it just made it that much more accessible. Also, because as I said, there used to be a component of because you would have to take the day to go travel somewhere to lobby where you would have to skip school. In face of COVID, I could do four lobbying meetings in one day and only miss, let's say, an hour of school. And I could just pop in and out of class. I would just let my teacher know ahead of time, what teacher is going to say, oh no, you're engaging in civic advocacy, you're in trouble. <laughs> like, that's that's not a thing. And so the teachers, when I, whenever I would tell them, hey, I'm gonna be gone for 10 minutes from calculus, I'm talking to Jamie Raskin, I'm sorry. <laughs> They, they were supportive and encouraging. And so I think that having the pandemic truly enabled lobbying to reach audiences that had never before reached. And as Rosie said, it also exacerbated um, the failures of contemporary policy and got a lot of students fired up. You know, we saw gun violence rise in the face mm -hmm. of COVID. We saw police brutality skyrocket. We saw mental health um, and mental health mental illnesses, those statistics skyrocket. We saw all these system healthcare, all these major issues we saw exacerbated by the pandemic. And so I think that that enabled, inspired students to join our movement. And we were able to very quickly plug them into lobbying meetings and train them and get them ready to go. That's really exciting. And to see from 5,000, like you more than doubled the number of young people basically in just over a year um, that are taking action. So that's, that's exciting. And, um, you know, gives us hope that we'll actually see some change and some movement. I am curious, though, um, about challenges that you face. So Rosie, could you talk, I'm, I'm actually really interested to know if there's been some challenges with adults. Um, but what are the challenges um, that you faced um, working on these issues? Um, and how have you addressed them? Yeah, absolutely. And really quick on like the COVID-19 note, um, I think that in many ways, you know, it really helped us grow our movement, but it also provided a lot of challenges too. Um, it's 
really hard to connect with people and build community online. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we found ways like virtual movie watching parties. We were like playing Kahoot and other games, but it's nothing is the same as, um, or or nothing's like just being in person with people and like being able to hug them or just like talk face to face. Um, And in terms of other challenges, um, (laughs) definitely I think um, one of, the biggest challenges specifically working in, you know, like the gender equality space, women's rights movement space, and specifically on the equal rights amendment, there is um, a lot of kind of, um, I I, kind of like to think of it um, like women are taught to tear each other down Mm, (laughs) and, you know, they don't want to see each other succeed a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, Generation Ratifies working against that and, you know, working to see all people of all marginalized uh, genders, you know, celebrate each other's successes. But thanks to the patriarchy, um, women are taught to tear each other down. And I think that problem manifests itself in the gender equality space. Um, there's a lot of tensions between different um, feminist organizations and kind of like um, what should, who should we partner with or like who's pursuing this strategy or we don't like that strategy. And just a lot of like disagreement and a lot of tension and being like the pretty much one of the, if not like the only, you know, prominent youth group in this space, you then add on the fact that we're young people (laughs) and that (laughs) and kind of the intergenerational tensions is, can be really tough too. Um, With, you know, we like to do things um, like protest outside of, representative's office really focus on the grassroots and we're not you know afraid to call people out on their bs call legislators out on their bs in a way that makes them uncomfortable but like brings attention to the issues um and we've gotten ourselves into some hot water with other people uh, you know these like bigger nonprofits who are working more behind the scenes and like trying to like craft these relationships with legislators um another thing that in the ERA space is like a big disagreement of how do we talk about the Equal Rights Amendment? Um, can we talk about abortion? And can we talk about queer liberation? Generation ratifies all for talking about those issues, because if we don't talk about them, then we're leaving out um, entire communities of people that can benefit from the ERA. Um, however, you have groups that are like, oh, you all shouldn't be talking about that. You're hurting our cause. Um, you're just young and naive, and you shouldn't be doing this and talking about this. So there's just a lot of, you know, tensions and disagreements between women's groups in general. And I say specifically women's groups, um, not that I would classify Generation Ratify as a women's rights group. Um, however, that is really the groups that are working on the ERA identify themselves as women's rights groups, which is a whole other issue of like, you know, um, wanting to approach the ERA holistically for all genders. Yeah. Um, yeah, once again, kind of another ramble, <laughs> but I would say no. that has been one of our biggest um, challenges is kind of navigating that dynamic. Well, and as you were talking, my, my, my brain went to politics as usual versus let's actually do something that makes sense for all people moving forward, right? Like, so it's not looking yeah. backwards, it's looking forward. Um, and to look forward, you need the voices of young people and the ideas and, um, yeah. And you're right, when you when you silence or leave out of the conversation, um, important 
people's groups of people's and topics like abortion and um, so many other topics, then you're saying you're sweeping those things under the rug. So um, exactly. Yeah. Um, before we, before we go to break, I do want to ask Lauren, um, how have you gotten support from other youth and from the the adults around you on this work? And are there some new skills that you had to learn in order to do this work? Yeah, thank you so much. So I would like to say that I have been overwhelmed with the amount of support I've received from both adult mentors and fellow student activists. So as mentioned earlier, in working with Lauren Moxley, Beth Brinkman, Megan Keenan, and Kate Kelly to support the plaintiffs in Virginia et al. versus Ferriero, the Regeneration Ratified Policy Team learned how to get involved in federal court cases, how to author and file amicus briefs. We learned more about the history of youth involvement in the ERA movement and learned how the ERA will benefit diverse youth today. And then in creating the federal lobbying collective in the Equal Rights cohort, the policy team learned how to facilitate educational advocacy programs where we learned how to make policy more palatable to youth activists and continue to give them the skills necessary to support the passage of gender equality legislation and the campaigns of feminist political candidates. In the so we've learned so, so, so many skills and specifically in developing our policy tracker and supporting local chapters. The policy team learned how to track legislation on a local, state and federal level and learned how to craft strategies for bills on each of those levels. But at the end of the day, through Generation Ratify, the most important skill we have all learned is how to be intersectional activists and how to amplify the far reaching implications of policies for marginalized communities. I love that intersectional activists. That's a, um, I think that's something that we should all be. So (laughs) Um, we do have to take one last short break, but when we come back, we'll get some final reflections from our guests today. So stay with me, Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world. And remember, you can follow the show on social media at NYLC.org or find us at NYLC.org. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. 
Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourselves, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. So in our final um, few minutes together, I want to get some reflections from each of you. So Lauren, I'd like to start with you. Could you share with our listeners... Um, a piece of advice, um, something that you hope they'll consider um, about the work that you're doing, um, about getting involved? Yeah, of course. Something that I really want to make clear is that I feel like so many people think politics, uh, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm cut out for that. I think it might be a little bit too intense. I, like I'm a passionate feminist, but I'm not sure I have like the understanding of our political system. Spoiler alert, to be involved in Generation Gratify, you don't need to be a political expert. All you need is to be a passionate gender equality activist and we'll set you up for the rest. We very much show out a space for everyone in our movement. You know, let's say you don't consider yourself to be well-spoken. You're more of a quiet introvert type. We have amazing, amazing, amazing um, opportunities for artwork displays, for you to send letters, for you to send texts, if that's what you're more comfortable with. We truly have the skills, I mean, the resources to plug everyone, regardless of their skill level and regardless of their interests, into our movement in a manner that will be pleasing and educational for them. So this being said, I think that we also, because we are a youth-led movement, we have a lot more flexibility with regard to the topics that we cover. If you come to me and say, hey, Lauren, as policy, I think you're doing like cool stuff, but I really, really want you to focus on this specific bill for a little bit. As long as it's like aligns with our values, we are more, more, more than happy to get involved in what your distinct interests are. Because at the end of the day, we understand that gender equality is such an intersectional issue and that by helping support one marginalized community, you're helping tear down the system that entrenches so many other marginalized communities that oppresses them. And so this being said, we have a space for you and we would love for you to get involved and love for you to share your passions with us. I absolutely love that it's really about meeting people where they are and lifting up the skills that each of us brings to the table, right? It's not about this is your directive. It's like, let's lift up the the skills and the and the passions that each of us have. Um, that's an amazing way, way to approach this work. 
um, Rosie, um, your final reflections. What do you hope for the future of Generation Ratify and how are you going to continue to lift up the power of young people? Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, Kate Kelly, one of Lauren's mentors and the author of Ordinary Quality, definitely look out for it for when it comes out. Um, she tweeted out like a couple weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it a lot, that there is really no national organization that is truly training just like generations of, or, or truly like mass training um, the next generation of gender equality organizers. And at first I was like, wait, that's like, that's Generation Ratified. Like that's what we're trying to do. Um, but then, you know, I was reflecting back on like what the gender equality movement look but, looks like in the 1970s. What, you know, national what the National Organization for Women was doing in the 70s, training just hundreds of thousands of women and people of any gender to organize in the streets. And, you know, that's, I think the trajectory that, Generation Ratify is on to really fill that space to be this home to train the next generation of gender equality organizers. You know, I think we've done incredible work so far and we've trained hundreds, thousands even of young people to host um, rallies, to lobby their legislators. Um, and I think we just continue to build on the foundation that we have built um, to make an even bigger impact and train even more people to where we can get to the point of, you know, massive non-cooperation across the country to demand an equal rights amendment or demand the passage mm -hmm. of a feminist policy um, to really achieve our goals and have our feminist revolution that cannot be stopped. I love, I love that. And so what's the best way for young people to get involved? Like, what do you want them to do? Where do you want them to go? Yes. So go to generationratify.org. That is our website. Um, we have every possible way you can get plugged in on there. Um, my two biggest recommendations, though, is getting involved with your local chapter. Um, this is where our organizing on the ground really happens and our community work really happens. Um, so definitely, we have a chapter map on our website. Super great. Look up a chapter near you. And if you don't have one, consider starting one. Um, and then second, plug into our Rally for Row campaign. Um, like I was saying, we are in, in unprecedented times of attacks on reproductive freedoms. We have a huge Supreme Court case being heard in October that could overturn Roe v. Wade and greatly chip away at our access to abortion. And we need all hands on deck to push back on that. You can lobby, you can create art, you can host a protest in your community, you can come to panels to hear from experts on the intersections of reproductive justice. Do whatever you wanna do where whatever you know honors your skill set. We'd love to have you um, join our Generation Ratify family and join our fight. Awesome. Rosie, Lauren, I just wanna thank you both so much for joining me today, for sharing your passion, your energy, your vision for what the future needs to be and for sharing your voice. Um, I know I stand with you. I know that many of our listeners, I, I, I encourage you all to take action with Generation Ratify. Visit their website at generationratify.org. Get involved um, with on the issues that are important to you. Um, I also want to mention um, if you're an educator and you're working with 
with young people like to action on this issue. You can download NYLC's latest Engage Handbook on Gender Equity. So this resource, it's designed for middle and high school students in after-school programs or non-conforming classrooms. So young people investigate the issue of gender equity in their community. They plan and prepare on how they want to address the issue. They take action. They demonstrate their learning and results while reflecting throughout their experience. And of course, at NYLC, we call that service learning. Um, so you can download it from NYLC store along with handbooks or other handbooks designed to tackle the world's most pressing issues. Um, Speaking of which, our guests on next week's show are tackling a huge issue, peace building. Um, so joining me will be students and educators from Peace Jam. So this is an amazing organization. So it's an international education program built around the Nobel Peace Laureates. Um, so they work hand in hand with young people um, to pass on that their, their spirit, their skills, their wisdom um, around peace building. So young people are utilizing service learning to take action on issues around peace building. So mark your calendars for next Thursday at six o'clock Eastern. And of course, until next week, I hope you will join us as we serve, learn, change the world. See you all next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.